Good morning, once again, and welcome. I think I forgot to introduce myself earlier. My name's Craig, and I'm a senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you with us as we've gathered to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 12. Acts, chapter 12. If you need to know where that is, you can find it in the table of contents. Um, if you're using your phone, we won't judge you, I promise. You do whatever it takes to get into the Word. So Acts, chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, I'm going to ask you, if you would, in just a moment, to stand, if you're able. We're going to read verses 6 through 19. So if you would, please stand again. Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 19. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning them with his hand to be silent, he described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Show us, Father, through this word how we may behold wondrous things of you and your law. Teach us, God, how it is that we should expect you to do incredible, amazing, and abundant things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. You expect God to do amazing things. It can be hard to ask for big things. I know. I, I'm a guy who occasionally has to ask for money. I don't know how often y'all have to do that, but... I have to fundraise for our church and for other things. Before too long, we're going to be in the middle of a capital campaign. And part of my responsibility in that campaign is going to be to ask questions and ask for money and things like that. I, I don't really love those things, just in case you were curious. I love to stand before you and preach. I don't exactly love sitting down and asking people for money. Sometimes we sort of preach, approach the Lord the same way. It's, it's kind of like we're afraid to go and ask Him for amazing things. Some of the reason that we don't like asking for money, for instance, is because 
If you don't have a whole lot, you, you, you go and you're asking somebody, you don't really understand what it would be like. You don't know exactly how to approach the conversation, how to get started. Sometimes we're not asking God for big things because somewhere deep down inside, we don't believe that he has access to the sorts of big things that we're desiring for him. You know, the book of James in chapter 4, verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. This is an audacious claim made to us by the brother of Jesus. You do not have because you do not ask. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. See, some of you don't have because you're asking for the wrong things with the wrong kind of heart. That's certainly the case, right? Some of you are praying that the Lord suddenly fill your bank account with millions and millions of dollars so you can spend it upon yourself. And you, i got a pretty good idea why God's not answering that prayer, guys. But the truth of the matter is that some of you, probably most of us in here, don't have because we've not asked. And we've not asked because we really don't believe as we ought. We don't believe as we should. Many of us could resonate well with the father in Mark chapter 9. If you remember that story, there was a boy who had an unclean spirit, and the spirit would often cast him even into the fire, seeking to kill him. And this man with his son comes into the presence of Jesus. And this man basically looks at Jesus and says, if you can do something, it'd be nice if you would. And Jesus' response to this father in Mark chapter 9 looks at him and Jesus says, if you can... With God, all things are possible. Some of you are still in the business of asking God if he can. You haven't asked because somewhere deep down you really just don't believe God can do all that you need. You're afraid that the Lord can't repair your life. You're afraid that the Lord can't actually rescue your soul. You're afraid that God can't repair a marriage. You're afraid that God won't save your children. You're afraid that God won't rescue you from the place you find yourself in. But you're afraid of that because deep down you're just not convinced that he can. Folks, I want you to know that we can ask him for more. We can expect more. But until we get to that place where we believe as we should, we may again be just like that father in Mark chapter 9. Praying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe, I want to believe more, but Lord God, until I can get all the way there, Lord God, will you fill up the gaps? This morning, I want us to talk about how it is that we can fill up the gaps and how it is that we can grow in our belief and we can expect God to do really big things. The first thing that we've got to be willing to do is to rest in God's provision. Rest in God's provision. In Acts chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, we see that Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Folks, do you realize how crazy this is? On the night before he was to be executed, Peter is chained between two guards and he is asleep. This reminds me a little bit of Jesus in the boat with his disciples, right? The storm begins to bear down upon them. Jesus is asleep in the bow of the boat. You remember the disciples, they wake him up and they say, Jesus, Jesus, we are perishing do you not care? We've got one more of those dumb questions to Jesus in this sermon, don't we? The first one is, can you do anything? The second one, we've got the disciples looking at him, do you even care? Imagine looking at the Lord in your Captain Dan moment, right? You're climbing the mast and you're screaming curse words at the Lord. Do you even care? 
The audacity of such a question and a statement. Well, they're saying, Jesus, if you're asleep, there's no way you care. Folks, I want you to know that Jesus could be in a sleep in the front of the boat. Not because he didn't care about his disciples, because he knew who was in charge of that boat. He knew who was in charge of those seas. He knew who was in charge of the storm. See, the disciples were anxious because they didn't trust. Some of you are anxious because you do not trust. found myself in a conversation just this week with uh, somebody who I, I, I know in our community. and uh, She said, I've, I've been struggling with anxiety. I said, I know. She said, well, how could you know? I said, well, we've had about five conversations. Every time we talk, you're worried about something different. So I don't know what to do. I said, I can help you with that if you're willing to listen. See, the question is not, what are the problems around me? The question is, am I willing to put my faith and confidence and trust in the God who is above and beyond those problems? Some of you are anxious because you don't trust. But when it came to the disciples in the boat, they didn't trust. But part of the reason they didn't trust is because they just didn't know. They're still kind of new with this whole getting to know Jesus thing. Listen, once you've seen him calm the winds one time, you ought to have it figured out. Now, we can judge him the second go-round, you understand? It's kind of like Thomas. We might give him a pass the first time when he's like, I won't believe it till I see it. But once he's put his hands on the resurrected Lord, Thomas had better never doubt again. Doubting Thomas should have died in that moment, you understand? We got believing Thomas after that moment. Some of you aren't resting in God's provision because you just don't know. The disciples have been around Jesus, but they didn't understand. They didn't know what in the world they were getting into. Some of you can't rest in God's provision because you are anxious about your life. Oh, I like the way I came across this this week. Peace can be found in a clean conscience and a quiet confidence in Christ. Peace can be found in a clean conscience and a quiet confidence in Christ. Peter was asleep in the floor of a jail cell in Jerusalem, between two guards, unclothed, awaiting his execution. How could Peter be asleep in that place? He had a clean conscience. Peter knew why he had been arrested. Peter was arrested because he believed in and preached the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter could be confident. Peter could be uh, unconcerned about the reason that he found himself in that jail cell. He didn't have anything to be, feel guilty about. He might have had some concern, but he didn't have any guilt. The second thing though, that Peter had was confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he was in that boat with Jesus when he's waking him up and saying, Don't you care? And he had seen what the Lord Jesus Christ could do. Even more, Peter outran, right? He's racing with John to get to the tomb. John outruns him, but Peter's right there neck and neck to, to, to see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's awaiting his death, but he has a quiet confidence in Jesus. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was bigger than death, hell, sin, and the grave. Peter knew that when all was said and done, the only thing Herod could hope to do was kill the body. But he knew that his faith rested in one who controlled not a body only, but controlled the soul. One who was more powerful even than death. Folks, what causes anxiety in your life? Peace. Let me, let me back up. Our peace can be robbed from us because we refuse to trust. Our peace can be robbed from us because our conscience isn't clean. See, some of you recognize that you need to have confidence in Jesus, but the reality is what it is that keeps you awake at night 
is not a lack of confidence in Jesus. It's a conscience that's not clean. What is it that causes anxiety? Is it procrastination? Putting things off till tomorrow, which shouldn't have been done today. I, I have to battle this in my own life. I'm bad about it. Some of you that know me best know how true this is. And I didn't appreciate just how debilitating procrastination could be until a number of years ago when I finished my doctorate. I, I finished everything. I was ABD, as they say. That means I'd done everything except my dissertation. It was finished. It just had to be edited. I had to finish all the work. I had just a little bit of work that needed to be done, but I put it off and put it off and put it off until finally I just sat down and I said, I've got to get all this behind me and be done with it. I didn't realize until it was over that that little bit of thing hanging over my head was just causing anxiety and stress. I'll never forget that when I finally finished it, I was like, wow, I didn't know that this latent stress had been existing in my life. Some of you, it's procrastination. Some of you, it's debt. You spent yourself into a place that is so heavy that you lay down at night terrified about what the morning could bring. Folks, we need to be careful with the way that we spend the money that God's given to us. Are we using that money to glorify the Lord? Or are we using that money to try and keep pace with everybody else around us? You understand, when I'm using my money for God's glory, I find all kind of great things to do that bring Him glory and honor and bring joy into my life. When I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, I just keep buying more and more things. They burden me they weigh me down they create stress maybe it's a short temper maybe it's worries see some of you really are just addicted to worry you just worry about everything jesus says don't worry about tomorrow what's that going to do add a single day to your life you say craig i can't fix that y'all we live in a world that has convinced us all that we can't change anything and i want you to know that I believe it's possible for you to overcome that because Jesus said you could. Give it to him. You say, I did, then give it again and quit taking it back. And keep giving it until it just sort of stays. You ever have those things that keep coming back to you? Like a cat? We don't. But the only reason we don't have a cat is because I have threatened my children if they ever feed a cat that comes around my house. Some of y'all have them. And good for y'all, that's fine. I, I, that's, that's good for you, it's your own business. But if you feed a cat once, you have a cat for life, right? And they say you can't even move because the cat will go back to where it was. I don't know if that's true, if that's just an, a lie that people have concocted so they could pass their cats off on their neighbors when they move for all the years and years and years. Sometimes our worries keep coming back because we keep just feeding them a little bit. And how is it that cat keeps coming around? Some of y'all say, well, I couldn't watch him starve. You let him starve, he'll find somewhere else to eat. You understand? He won't starve to death. He'll go eat somewhere else. As a matter of fact, if you'll keep him hungry, he might actually be valuable in your home. He might find a dead rat in the yard. Wasn't dead when he found it. Remember that. He killed it. Some of y'all have worries that you just feed a little bit to every day. It, it, it begins to get to starve, and that, that worry's looking a little... A little unhealthy, and you, you, you begin to worry about the worry that you didn't take care of. You say, well, I, I don't really like it. It's like the cat again, right? I don't have any feelings for it. I, I just would hate to see anything happen to it. And so what do you do? You, you slide a little food that way. You slide a little milk. You slide a little nourishment toward that worry. Jesus says for us to lay those down. To concentrate instead on things. Lord, Peter could go to sleep in a jail cell because he wasn't guilty 
He didn't have a guilty conscience because he had a quiet confidence in the Lord. Imagine all the things Peter could have been worried about. Peter had a family. Peter had friends. Peter had the whole church to be worried about. James just got his head cut off. Peter could have been worried about all that. And instead, Peter just laid down and went to sleep. Is that because Peter didn't care? No. It's because Peter put his confidence and his trust in one that cared eternally more. Folks, if you're going to expect God to do amazing things, you've got to be willing to rest in God's provision and to expect that he can give sleep to his children. He can give sleep to his children. And it's okay. One of the greatest, most faithful things that we do every single day is lay our head down on our pillow at night and trust that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take care of everything else until I open my eyes again in the morning. Yesterday I did something I haven't done in maybe years. I slept until 8 o'clock in the morning. It was amazing. I didn't even know it was possible. This morning I was awake before the alarm went off, probably because I slept till 8 o'clock yesterday morning. We lay our head down to sleep. We trust the Lord. Rest in God's provision. The second thing this morning, if we're thinking about expecting God to do amazing things, obey right away. The Bible says that the Lord sent an angel. The angel kicked Peter and said, wake up. You know, the Bible says something nice, like struck him with a blow on his side. I like it. He just walked up. Peter said, get up. You know, what are you doing? We got things to do. And Peter's like, well, get up. Get dressed. Let's go. Come on. It's got to be about what it's like getting my kids out the door in the morning. Some of you parents understand what it's like to try and rip your children out of jail just to get them to school in the mornings, right? Wake up. We got things to do. Some of us, though, sit around and go, well, I'm not going to obey till you tell me what we're doing first. We got to be willing to obey right away. Imagine refusing to obey a traffic sign until you completely understood it. You're driving along in the middle of the night. Run 65 miles an hour. And there's a big orange sign and it says reduce speed ahead, 35 miles an hour. And you say, you know what? I don't know why that sign is there, who put it up, but I'm not going to slow down until I understand why they want me to slow down. I don't want to do this. And about 10 seconds later, you drive right off a cliff. You understood in your disobedience why it was that you should have obeyed. Folks, listen to me. You're going to grow to understand why the Lord uh, gives you direction either in your obedience or your disobedience. You understand? That's where it's going to be. Too many of you are like this in relation to the Lord. You read His Word, you hear it preached, but you refuse to obey until you understand. This is why Paul warns us about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Folks, some of you just want to know as much as you can just so you can be in charge. Some of you need to confess that to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might need to confess it to a neighbor or to a life group leader or a friend. You know, the truth of the matter is I just wanted to know more because I wanted to be in charge of everything going on around me. Understanding comes through obedience. Do you want to understand? Folks, you will not understand before you obey. And it's not just obedience to the Lord. This is really the way that life works. I'll never forget when I became the pastor here at Malvern Hill. I called my former pastor. I'd been here a few weeks, maybe months. And I called my former pastor who had invested heavily in my life. And I called him. I said, brother, you, you didn't really prepare me for all of this. I said, well, I, there's so much that I wasn't ready for. 
He said, I know. I said, well, that's not very reassuring. You had a job, you know, you're supposed to get me ready. He said, I did the best I could, but there's some of it that you just can't teach. You just had to experience it. I didn't, wasn't prepared for the spiritual burden and weight of being a pastor. I didn't understand that until I walked into it. I said, brother, why, why didn't you tell me? He said, if I told you, you wouldn't have believed me. Folks, so often we can't know it until we've experienced it. We can't understand it. This is what obedience looks like. Some of you are waiting to obey Jesus until you have a better understanding. Folks, we call that sin. That's what you call it when you refuse to obey Jesus until you understand more. You can mask it in all sorts of humility. You can try. You can say, well, I want to follow Jesus. I just want to understand more. Let me ask you this. When you say to your child, go take a shower, and that child says, why? Oh, yeah, that got real, didn't it? Well, that's not what I do. No, I'm just trying to understand. Okay, let me rephrase this. Go take a shower. Dear Father, why should I? Help me to understand. Do you, I mean, does it really matter that much because they use different words? They're still standing there with their feet planted. They're not moving in that direction. They're not getting clean. I mean, we can tell them why. You stink. Go take a shower. Well, when it's all said and done, the biggest reason is because I said, go take a shower. And I know more than you do. You see, parents, they, they, they say, I've even said, we shouldn't look at our kids regularly and say, because I told you so. You know, that's, that's not a great way of teaching our children. But, but it's actually not as wrong as it might sound at first glance. And this is why it's not always that wrong. Usually, your parents, teenagers, I'm looking at all of y'all. Usually, not always, we are far from perfect. But usually, when your parents tell you to do something... The reason they tell you to do it is because they know something you don't know. Right? So you can say, why? Well, it's kind of the answer sort of is because I told you so and I know a whole lot more than you do and I know what's best for your flourishing. I know what you need in your life. So just please obey and go take the shower or whatever it might be. The Lord says do and you go, why? And then you go, I don't understand why I'm not finding joy in my life. I'm not growing in my walk with Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you why? Because you're living in sin and you're calling it something else. But the last time I checked, disobedience to the Lord's command is sin. We rename all kind of sin and we call it all sorts of other things. We'll call it a disorder. We'll call it this or that. When at the end of the day, it's just sin. Well, I'm wor I worry and I can't help it. Jesus said worrying is a sin. Greg, don't you care? I do. I do, and I'm not trying to be unkind to you. I just want us to make sure that we're calling things what they are, seeking to wrestle with them and to fight against the sin that encroaches at our door. Understanding comes through obedience. As you obey, you grow in understanding. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to understand your understanding about Jesus, your understanding about God's Word will actually begin with your obedience. And as you walk in that obedience, you're walking closer to Jesus and you're growing in your understanding of who He is and what He would have you to do. It, it, it really, parenting is the best parallel that we see. I say, get in the car, we're going to get dinner. Why? Get in the car, we're going to go get dinner. I was pretty clear. Why can't we eat at home? Please get in the car. We're going to get dinner. You know what happens when they get in the car? We go eat. 
All kind of good things happen for them. They get fed. They don't starve. But watch when they get in the car. Who are they with? They're with me. As they obey me, they get to be with me. God bless my children's soul, right? And the more time they spend with me, this is terrifying, the more they look like me. Not physically, we hope, but in every other way. Do you understand that when we're obeying the Lord, we're jumping in the car with Him? And we're walking with Him. And the more time that we spend with Him, the more we look like Him, the easier it becomes for us to expect big things out of Him because we begin to know what He's capable of. It's no secret I like to pick up heavy things and put them down. It's one of my hobbies. You know, and when my kids are little, they ask really weird questions. Like little kids that don't know anything about it, they just see you go do it and they go, Daddy, can you pick up a hundred pounds? Yes, baby, daddy can pick up a hundred pounds. Oh my goodness. And they'll tell their friend, my daddy can pick up a hundred pounds. You know, their friend will go, my daddy can pick up a hundred pounds too. Because you think that's an accomplishment. You did something. Then they get older and they, they begin to see. You know, my older kids, they know how much I can pick up because they've been in there with me. They know what they can ask. They know what they can expect. It's not just about lifting weights, though, is it? The more time they spend with me, they know what I'm willing to give, how I'm willing to invest in their life. They're less nervous to ask me for things because they know what my heart is and what it is that I desire to do for them. And so they ask with confidence. This is where it gets to the place we can ask with confidence. James says you don't have because you don't ask. And the reason you don't ask is because you haven't spent enough time with him to understand what he's capable of and willing to give. He is a good father who loves us and desires to give good gifts to his children. You don't expect amazing things out of him because you're still amazed that he can pick up 100 pounds. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's the prince of peace. He's God over all. The lord of hosts. And he's your heavenly father. Folks, when you get to know him, you begin to go to him with more audacious requests because you know who he is and what he desires to give to you. But you get there by obeying right away, right now. So how is it that we might expect God to do good things, rest in God's provision, obey right away? Third this morning, open the door. Rhoda hears Peter at the door and gets so excited she gets to open the front door. Any of y'all ever seen this happen? My kids are, little, big ones aren't, but little kids are real bad about this, right? Y'all ever had it happen? Somebody comes and rings the doorbell. Hey, go see who's at the door. And they run out and they go, hey, Mr. So-and-so's at the door. Mr. So-and-so's at the door. Well, did you let him in? <gasps> no. Why didn't you let him in? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Rhoda goes to the door. Knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. Who is it? It's Peter. I'm out. She goes, oh. She runs back inside. She's the only going to believe it. Peter's here. You love it, right? You got the servant girl, Rhoda, and you got the really learned, mature leaders of the church all gathered together. And they go, oh, Rhoda, you're just overly excited. 
We've been praying about Peter, and now you just think you heard it. Or, or maybe a Peter's angel showed up, but Rhoda, Rhoda, don't, don't be so childish, Rhoda. Don't be so simple. How many of y'all prayed for God to do something, and then when it happened, you explained it away or just completely ignored God's answer? Don't rob God of his glory. Don't rob God of his glory. Have you been praying for your child? And you see positive progress in your child. You've been praying for your child to come to Christ, perhaps. And you see that child beginning to move in that direction. And you sit around and you go, well, we'll see. Or maybe you go, praise Jesus, we got a chance. You see, there's a difference right there. One of them doubts that the Lord could do anything. The other one believes that God can do everything. I mean, they're sitting in there praying for Peter. God answers their prayer, and they're like, Ah, oh, Rhoda, you're just being a child. Talk about robbing God of his glory. Here it is, God's glory standing at the door, and they're missing it. They're missing it. So often, it's the most experienced and learned among us that refuse to see the miraculous around us. We get lulled to sleep by the normal. We get lulled to sleep by the bad. We lose confidence in the God who is capable to do all things. Folks, pray big prayers. Pray big prayers. And then when God answers them, praise Him with big praises. On Wednesday nights, we do prayer meeting here for adults. And for a number of years now, we've opened that time with just a moment for people to share praises and I share on Wednesday nights all the time with the folks that are here what I'm going to share with you now. Years ago, we started that because I realized that I, in the seat where I sit as a senior pastor, I, I get to hear all the good stories, right? I, I get to hear all the praises. People call me when, when they had their last cancer treatment and say, Pastor, I'm so excited. They call me when they find out that they're pregnant after they've been trying for years. They call me when their child comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They call me when they get a new job. They call me when something unexpected happens in their life. They call me. And what I realize is that I'm just like soaking up all this stuff and nobody else is hearing it. And God's being robbed of his glory because he's doing all these great things. So on Wednesday nights, everybody has a chance to just go around and just talk about something that they praise the Lord about or they're thankful for. And then I just try to list off the laundry list of things that I've been made aware of or that have come to my attention. Sometimes they're in my own personal life. Sometimes they're in life for church. I mean, what they've heard me saying over and over and over again in recent weeks and months is, the Lord saved another one. We're going to have another baptism. The budget is through the roof and God's blessing us financially. We had another bumper crop on Sunday morning and broke another attendance record. I mean, these are the kinds of things. And we're just saying it because we want God to be glorified in what he's doing. Folks, pray big prayers, and then when God answers them, praise Him with big praises, right? Thank you, Lord. I see it. I see what you did. Thank you so much. Why can we have confidence in God's work? Watch this. Because the world cannot imprison what God has set free. The world cannot imprison what God has set free. Herod had a plan for Peter. But Herod's plan for Peter was not God's plan for Peter. You understand? The Lord holds the hearts of kings in his hand. 
And when Herod decided that it was time for Peter to die, Herod could only accomplish that feat if the Lord decided that it was also time for Peter to die. And God was not finished with Peter. Some of y'all aren't praying big prayers because you think that God can't. I'm here to tell you that the world cannot do what God does not allow the world to do. You aren't praying because you've begun to believe that your problems are larger than your God. But God is over all, in all, and through all, and you can come to him with your prayers. Why don't we preach sermons like this? Do you want to know why? Because we've all seen too many televangelists preaching these messages, haven't we? We've seen too many charlatans claiming to be faith healers. We've had too many people asking for our money on TV. But folks, we can't allow those who misuse the word of God to rob us from clinging to the truths of God's word. You have not because you ask not. And you ask not because you do not rightly believe that he is able, willing, and ready. Where does that bring us? What do you need God to do today? What do you need God to do today? Honestly, it's time for us to do business with Jesus. You see, when I asked that question, every one of you had something that came to mind immediately. Every one of you. What do you need? Why are you waiting? Why? Do you need him to restore your marriage? Do you need him to free you from your financial bondage? Do you need Jesus to rescue your children? Do you need Jesus to save you from your sin? You say you don't understand how that is possible. You see what you just did, right? You're trying to understand before you obey. You're trying to get God to answer your questions before you trust. You say, Craig, I don't know how in the world God could save me. Craig, I don't know how God could set me free from the mess that I've created. Craig, I don't know why God would forgive me. And I ask you this morning, I urge you, obey anyway and watch God work. Do you expect God to do amazing things? Here's the cool thing. Ah, true thing. You'll get exactly what you expect. You'll get exactly what you pray for. You pray small prayers because you believe in a small God. You'll find small answers. But if you pray big prayers... Because you trust in a big God and you're willing to obey in a big way. You may just discover that there are answers that you didn't anticipate. The church in Jerusalem was praying for Peter. 
Let me tell you what they did not expect. They didn't expect Peter to come knocking on their door in the middle of their prayer meeting. They prayed, but the Lord answered in a way they didn't anticipate. Some of you know you're in a job that you need to walk away from. Some of you are in a situation that God's told you to walk away from. That it's been very clear and plain. But you haven't walked away because you don't know how it's going to work out. Some of you have been praying for the Lord to give you answers for a long time. And the problem is that you're just like Rhoda. The answer's been beating on your door and you ran away without opening the door. And then you found yourself a bunch of people that would say what you wanted them to say. Well, I think the Lord wants me to do this. And they're like, oh, there's no way God wants you to do that. And I'm here to tell you today, you need to just obey. Craig, I don't know how it's going to work out. We call that faith. And when you take that first step, it's scary. Sometimes the second step is scary. But it's amazing because as you take those steps, God catches you. He rescues you. He walks with you. You say, Craig, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know either. But here's the confidence that I have. The God who could rescue Peter from prison can surely rescue you from the situation you find yourself in. Today needs to be the day that you start praying big, scary, audacious, hard prayers because they're only hard for you. They're not hard for him. And he's ready. Some of y'all are sitting around going, my heavenly father can pick up a hundred pounds. My heavenly father can buy me a hamburger for lunch tomorrow. And he's waiting for you to pray for something so much bigger. Something that matters so much more. You say, I don't know if I trust. It's because you had not jumped in the car and rode with him to dinner yet. You understand? You've not spent enough time with him. Because after a while, here's what you're going to discover. He's trustworthy. He's able. And he's willing. So today, will you obey? Will you trust? Will you step out in faith? Some of you need to start praying those prayers today. Okay? Some of you have already prayed them. And God's been beating at your door. And you've been unwilling to open it to the answer that he sent. So today, will you open up to the answer that God has for you? If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, that answer is Jesus Christ. For some of you, the answer is surrender and obedience. It's okay if you don't understand at all. Imagine Peter in the middle of the night. Get up! Get up! He doesn't even know he's awake. Walks out, he's standing in the middle of the road and finally comes to himself and says, Holy cow, I'm out of jail. He didn't know what was next. He just knew he needed to get to find somebody that could help him get the next place. Some of you are still sleeping. This time you woke up. 
took that next step. As we sing, will you trust Jesus? Stop trying to understand. Start obeying. And then trust me on this, as you obey, you will grow in understanding as the Lord opens your eyes to all that He has for you. Let's pray together as you stand. Lord God, please draw us closer to You. Father, for those who may be here today who need to take the step, Lord, I pray there's somebody that would open the door to the prayer that You've sent, or the answer that You've sent. Father, I pray there's somebody here today who would begin praying a prayer that they don't even believe is possible. Father, when it's all said and done, I pray we'd all be closer to you. And Lord God, I pray that somebody would have a new life in Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Folks, listen. As you respond, watch. Do me this favor. There's a couple of you that say, I want to believe, but I'm not there yet. You know that Jesus will hear that prayer. Jesus will hear that prayer. Lord God, I want to obey. Help me because I'm not where I need to be. Watch. You take that step. He will meet you right in the middle. It'll take you to where you need to be. Let's sing together.